Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. kind of excited to say this this morning just because the pitter-patter of feet come back. But hey, if you are three years old to uh, up to fifth grade, I think it is, or sixth grade, you guys can head up to Children's Church. It's fifth grade. You guys can head on up there or run, Silas. That's great. Awesome. Uh, just one really quick question. How many of you guys practiced the Fruit of the Spirit song last week? No? Uh-uh. Okay, well, then I'll save you uh, from that. Uh, we'll probably end up doing that next week just to remind us all. But, hey, one, uh, one other really kind of quick announcement for you is, uh, hey, if you have version. Uh, Bible app. Uh, once again, all of our notes are on the Uversion Bible app, and so for some of you, you're just like, how do you get to that? You can open Uversion on your phone, and on the very bottom, it just says more. Okay, you hit more. There's my ugly mug, and then you'll just go to events, and then right there, oh my goodness, my event should show up here. Hold on. There it is. Glasgow Evangelical Church right there, and it'll automatically show up, and Ripe Up is there for you, and so if you have that U version, please go ahead and uh, get your sermon notes out. And the reason why is because, uh, hey, I'm, I, there's a lot of verses today, um, and so it's just a great place for you guys to be able to have those verses um, for you. And then uh, we are actively seeking, or not seeking, but we're actively getting prepared to get back to uh, having bulletins for you guys. And so a lot of you guys have asked us, hey, when are those coming? Trust me, they're coming soon. Um, and so we'll, we'll be able to get back into the swing of having bulletins and all that sort of stuff so you guys can have a paper uh, uh, copy and also kind of know the events that are going on during, uh, during the week. Hey, let's pray before we start this morning. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, uh, as we open your word, uh, would it seep into um, the fiber of who we are? Uh, would we be open to your spirit's leading and your spirit's direction? So God, help us to see that you are here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we started a sermon series called Ripe Up last week, um, and looking at the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, through 23, which says, uh, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives, in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so with that, uh, we've decided just to be in a, a nine-week series looking at all of those going, hey, what does that absolutely mean, and, uh, and how do we get those in our lives? And, and really, here's the deal. There's no amount of us mustering up our own spirits to go, hey, we're going to get this tackled. There's, uh, it, there's no amount of, or, or there's not enough behavior modification where we can say, yep, we're always loving except through the Holy Spirit. 
Last week was on love and understanding that love ultimately is God's for you, and uh, he loves you no matter what, and he's asking you to do the same for people around you, and so to take on his character and who he is. And this week, really, uh, it's almost the exact same thing, and you're going to hear me say this over and over again, is this is, once again, God's joy. There's not enough that you can do to say, I'm joyful in this life, to continue to have overabundant joy. It comes from God and God alone. And it's rooted, which is interesting, is rooted in God's love for you. In fact, actually, joy is mentioned 165 times. And when I told you guys that we were going to have a lot of scripture, we are going to look at all 165 verses today. So welcome to Labor Day weekend. All right, Uh, we're not doing that, but hey, uh, I thought about it. Uh, But really, the main thing is is that uh, in those 165 times, it talks about God's uh, joy in God's righteousness, joy in God's salvation, joy in God's mercy, joy in God's creation, joy in God's word, and joy in God's faithfulness. But the world would say that there is obviously other kinds of joy. Joy in the almighty paycheck, right? Buying the stuff that we need to buy, getting the stuff that we want to acquire. In fact, actually, a statistic came out that said uh, that at about $70,000 is when your joy doesn't really change. If you make more, it's not that you're more happy, okay? I'm going to use that term instead of joy. That It doesn't make you more happy making more than that. Isn't that kind of interesting, right? All of us think that there is this magical number in our head. And, well, the world says that magical number is about 70,000, just to let you know. And so uh, if you are way below that, some of you are in the room right now going, oh, I just got 65 more thousand dollars to make. We're going to do this. Uh, But that's not even where the joy comes from. There are some things that say, hey, joy comes from in the possessions we have. And, well, there's going to be a Bible verse today that talks exactly about that. But in all reality, in our world, the more possessions we have means the more responsibility we have. And do we really want to take on those responsibilities sometimes? Do we really want to be honest and say, that responsibility brings me joy? The world would also tell us that, hey, it's all about who you know, right? You've heard that statement over and over again. The more people I get around me, the more things that I can do, the more possibilities, the upward, more upwardly mobile that I can get. And sometimes it leaves the downtrodden and the marginalized out of relationships, all because they can't do something for us. And there's a verse that talks about that today. kind of funny, about uh, two years ago, I went, to, uh, I went to Christmas vacation at my in-law's house, and um, if you don't know anything about our life, uh, I don't know how to say this, but uh, we do the oil thing in our home, you know, the little, I don't know what Logan calls it, this little, this voodoo thing, uh, but uh, we were there, and I had a cousin, it's not voodoo, by the way, because that is based in... Yeah, Uh, but I'm not even going there. Wow, I opened up something I didn't want to. Uh, 
but we, we do this, uh, we do oil things, and we went there, and uh, my cousin had this little thing that you could, like, place your hand on, right? And it just, like, it calculated, like, your heartbeat, it calculated, like, just kind of your temperature and all those things. And I was like, this is really weird, right? And then it would spit out this thing that would say, hey, this is kind of like what your emotion is, you know, kind of back in the day when you like put your finger on and then, hey, these are your emotions. But anyway, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this, right? And so I put my hand on it and I waited and waited. And like five minutes later, this thing kicks out and it says, "Uh, you are an unjoyful person. You need this type of, and I'm like, I am not unjoyful. This thing's full of, um, but, uh, and she was like, see, see? But uh, one, of the, one of the things, the reason why I say that is because as soon as you're faced with this idea is, are you joyful? A lot of us in this room would go, I'm, I, I'm a joyful person, right? Or I, or I have bouts of joy, right? Or, hey, um, I'm, I'm a fairly good person to be around all the time, and that's usually what I think, by the way, until my wife calls me out and goes, man, you are not a joyful person. Why, why, why are, what's going on? And I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday, um, I found out that uh, it was going to be a gorgeous lake day, right? And so uh, 95 degree weather, um, all of this greatness, I had my mind set on going to the lake. And so I got done with stuff around here and some stuff that we needed to do. And, and all of a sudden, I, I get home, and um, it's really funny how God decides to put things into my life when I prepare for sermons. And uh, I get home, and I'm like, hey, kids, you guys want to go to the lake? And like nobody really responded to me. Noah was like, well, actually, I'd really like to just stay home and maybe, you know, um, do something else, and, and then all of a sudden, I just got bummed out, right? I just was like, okay, well, I'll just stay here on the couch, and Virginia's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing, nothing's wrong, nothing at all. She's just like, huh, you are mopey, dude. You do not have any joy whatsoever, and so I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not a big deal, and she's like, well, why aren't we going out to the lake? And I perked up, and I was like, the lake? Let's, do, let's go to the lake, Right, and so I get out to the lake, and she's like, "Well, I'm not going to the lake with you unless you're somewhat joyful." And I was like, "Well, I'll be joyful, I promise." And so, like, of course, I changed my attitude. And after I get off the lake, because um, I learned how to water ski yesterday, so I was super, super excited about that. But um, when I get off the no, there's no clapping for that. Um, and so, uh, and so uh, we get off the lake, and my wife is like, "You're a completely different person." What's, what, what's different? And the difference was is I got my way. I got what I wanted. That's not joy. That's like this welling up of, of selfish ambition of saying, well, I, it's kind of like our children, right, who act in a certain way until they get what they want, until the next time that they aren't happy with something. And it strikes me as incredibly difficult for me to tell myself that I'm a childish little boy who wants what he wants and wants to get his way to be joyful. Because that's absolutely not what the scripture talks about. 
When we look at joy, it is, it is not getting everything we want from God and being completely uh, happy and, and all of that sort of stuff. It is understanding. And in fact, actually, I would say it this way. Um, it would, I would say, you ready, Noah? Here we go. Joy is not found in our circumstances or possessions, but in relationship, knowledge, in the relationship, knowledge, and character of God. That's where our joy comes from. I'll read it one more time. Joy is not found in our circumstances or possessions, but in relationship, knowledge, and the character of God. See, we can't have one without the other, right? We can't, have, we can't just simply say, yeah, I, I, God, I'm glad I have, I'm glad I'm saved, right? When we talked about sanctification a couple weeks ago, right? God, I'm glad I'm saved, but I'm still sitting on the bench and I'm not doing anything for God. But I also just can't say I'm saved by grace and not have knowledge of what Scripture says and how Scripture asks me to lead my life. And I also can't just assume who God is either and not understand the character of God as I'm walking with Him. And so joy is found in the relationship, knowledge, and understanding the character of God. And so I want to run through that with you guys this morning, and, and it's going to be a lot of verses, but I'm going to tie it up into hopefully what I think is a little pretty bow, and, and as we read these scriptures, uh, I'm, I'm certain that you guys are going to go, okay, where is he going with all of this, and, and how does it tie in together? But as I was reading all these scriptures, I was just like, I can't, I, I can't skip these. And I also can't just preach on them either by one single one and just kind of let it go. Because when we talk about this, I, I think that all of these match up to what I was talking about earlier. That true joy comes in understanding God's righteousness, his salvation, his mercy, his creation, the word of God, and his faithfulness. And as we read these, you'll start to see where our joy comes from. And maybe you're at a place in time right now where you're sitting there going, I don't have much joy. And one of these verses is going to connect you by going, man, it's possibly by the fact that I might not be living the commandments that God has asked me to live. It's possible that I have not grabbed a hold of God's salvation for my life. It's possible that I have completely thought differently about God than who he truly is. Because only God can give joy, and when we understand that, then we can walk in joy. And I want to start off right away with Jesus in Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 2. And it says this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in a place of honor besides God's throne. The best possible place for joy in our lives is to be following God's will. Jesus took it on as joy to do what God asked him to do, even to the point of death. And later on, I'm going to wrap that up in a bow too when we talk about how our joy is found in being with Jesus over and over again. Joy is offered to us because Jesus endured the cross. Romans 15, 13, uh, Paul says this. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. 
then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, there is so much packed into that one. First of all is this, is that God is the source of it all, and he fills you with joy. We get to talk about peace next week. Then you will overflow with confident hope how to walk through life because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because Jesus endured the cross. Nehemiah 8.10 goes on and he says this and that. He says, and Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drink and share gifts of food with people who have, who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Feeling pretty weak today. The Lord is your strength. Proverbs 10, 28. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Psalms 1, 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. The commandments, oh, sorry, Psalms 19, 8. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Psalm 35, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 32, 1 through 2. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose record, sorry, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. I just want to sit on that for a second. Last week we talked about the love of God. And the love of God that he lavishes on us to forgive us our sins. And he says this, he says, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Do you, do you sit here this morning as a forgiven person? Or do you sit here with shame and guilt? Jesus says, if you put yourself under me, if you've turned from the worldly things, you're forgiven. And that brings much joy. It even says that there is a party in heaven when a lamb returns, right? And sometimes I think to myself going, we don't put enough emphasis on this. When we have true repentance and we come and we are wanting God's forgiveness, it's offered freely. And that should bring incredible joy to us. Incredible joy in which we want to live the life that God asks us to live. It in fact turns us uh, completely around. It almost gives us a 180 perspective 
And instead, I think sometimes we, uh, we just sulk in our own pain. Instead of living through uh, maybe even some of the consequences of our sin, but knowing that there's joy because God has forgiven us. And it can be made right. He goes on in Psalms 34, 8 and says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Psalms 41, 1, Oh, the joy of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. So not only is it knowing who God is, but it is also taking on the character of God and, and being with people who might not be able to help us be upwardly mobile. That might be poor in spirit. That might be poor in physical things. To be able to say, I want to walk alongside of you. Psalm 63, 5, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I mean, I, I know that Brian used to say this a couple times, but have you ever had a really good cooked meal, right? And, that, and when you're done with it, you're just like, that was so good. God is way better than that. And I don't know if sometimes I realize that in my own life. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Psalm 67, 4. Let the whole world sing for joy because you, you've govern, oh, because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. When God is our governor of the nations, when God is what we're looking towards, that's when we really have true joy. He goes on to say in Psalm 74, but may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. Psalm 71, 23, I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. Back to the forgiveness. Psalms 106, 3, there is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. We're almost there. We're almost there. Hang on. Psalm 118, 15, songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Psalm 119, 143, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. That one was a pretty great one for me this week. Psalms 126.3, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Even in the New Testament, Romans 4.7, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Right back there, right? He's quoting Psalms. 1 Corinthians 7.30, those who weep or rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Psalms, or sorry, Philippians 4.4, 4, 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. But here's what I, where I want to turn the corner a little bit with you. Because we also know that uh, that might be in a perfect world, right? Like it's easy to, man, when we're flowing with God and doing things well, it's easy to go, yep, that, that's all easy. That's great. I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm, and I'm doing okay. Notice the thing that I said is comfortable, not joyous. Because I think sometimes we can let those two things just be synonymous with each other. But then we have verses in Romans and James and John. And in Romans in 5, 3 through 5, it says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. About three weeks ago, you remember Dane talking about there's always going to be some sort of, uh, well, I'm going to call it tribulation, right? He called it calamity, tribulation in your life. And this is a moment in which we can say those times in which our joy is stolen, how can we rejoice? How can we rejoice? Well, first of all, we know that it helps us develop endurance. And then endurance goes into strength of character, and strength of character into confident hope of salvation. Once again, this is interesting to me, it's not about us. It's all about God, once again, bringing us to those points. James 1-2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you guys, and I'm not trying to create something. I don't know if there's been a lot of joy in the world lately. I don't know if <clears throat> a lot of us get bogged down with everything that we have to do and get done and all the responsibilities or just uh, the monotony of life maybe, or we have this idea of who God is and, <laughs> and, and we don't follow that. The fights over all of the mandates that are going on, the, the fights over who's going to be our next president, and we w talked about this last week, is, is once again, are, where are we basing all of our ideas from? If joy is found in our circumstances, uh, if joy is found, sorry, in our relationship and knowledge and character of God, then how do we get to that point? When I found something uh, from Andy Crouch that I thought would be really interesting to share with you guys today. Because I think that if we look at how we deal with God and how we deal with things in our life and how, we, uh, how our response is, I, I think we can kind of see in what, what area we live our lives out of. This comes from his, uh, his book called Strong and Weak. And when I, when I saw it, I just thought it was incredibly interesting. Because if we, look at a, if we look at life and kind of say this quadrant of stuff, okay, let's just put uh, God right up at the top, okay, because that's where we're always aiming, okay, that's where we're going. And if we're talking about horizontal, we're just going to call this, uh, man, I cannot make this look as good as Olivia did. Uh, but 
this pen is horrible. Uh, this is called life. Luckily, I brought extra. But when we kind of go into life and we live this life of uncertainty, right? Everything uh, we're going towards. And, and Andy Crouch would call this uh, if we're living a life of fullness, right? Okay. So if we want to live a life of fullness, um, it would be a life of fullness comes from being okay with the uncertainty of life, but in the certainty of who God is. Okay. And so we're going to put this area fullness. But I want to call it joy. Okay? But when we kind of see in other ways, if we live a life that is uncertain, but also uncertain of who God is, okay, this is going to bring us suffering. But if we also live a life that is certain, okay, certain where, where our life wants to go, but uncertain of who God is, we are going to get into a place of withdrawal. Things are going to happen to us and we're just going to go, oh, well, guess what? I really am uncertain of who God is, but I was certain of where I wanted to go, but now my life is a mess and where am I going to go now? I'm just uncertain of things. So I just withdraw because I thought that I had everything together. I thought that I could do it all on my own, but I guess I can't. And the last one is, is this. That if we are uncertain about where our life is heading and we're certain about who God is and our life doesn't end up the way that we want it to, we blame God and tell him that he's abusing us. We tell God, what are you doing? I have no joy. And then we get into the point of going, hey, that means that, uh, that, means that the way that we feel, we react to God by saying, God, I'm going to judge you because you didn't do what was right. I thought you were this way, and I'm certain of where my life is headed because I'm doing it all on my own, and I'm telling you, God, then I start to be able to judge, and I go, nope, you didn't do this correctly, God. When pain and hurt comes in, I start to judge God and judge others of everything that's going on around me. When we come into the point of how we deal with withdrawal, withdrawal we just really simply become apathetic. Whatever. Whatever it is, I don't care. So there's no sort of life there. And, and then when we come into this point of going, hey, we are uncertain of where life is. Hey, it's okay. I'm all right with the uncertainty of where God is going, but I, or I'm all right where life is. Uh, I don't know where life is going, but I'm certainly uncertain of who God is. Okay? I don't know who he is. Everywhere we turn, we just become hurt. And that's where we get this idea of hurt people hurt people, Right? But then there's this sweet spot that I just love. When the uncertainty of life is okay with me, because here's the deal, things happen all the time around us. Things that we think we can handle, and I, we have to get to this point of going, I'm going to just be okay with the uncertainty of life. 
it's interesting how something can change us and, and, and send us into a tailspin in an instant. If you don't think that, look at what happened to our community this week when one person died. Just shocked and not understanding and going, what's going on? If we want to make certain of it, uh, if we want to make certain of our whole entire lives, it can't be a life of joy, that's for sure. It's a life of calculated risks all the time. And yet still we live in a world in which accidents happen and, and things go on. And so, remember what I said earlier, that joy is based on having a relationship, a knowledge, and understanding the character of God. So if God is where we're aiming, then that means that true, true joy comes from a point of trust. I don't know what's going on. I have no clue what's happening. But I know who you are, and that's okay with me. I ultimately trust you. I ultimately trust where we're headed, where we're going, which leads right back into what we were talking about in, in the seven churches. It is I could sit up here and tell you all day long, hey, this is what I'm interpreting from Revelation, and this is where I think we're headed. And then guess what? All of you would wrap your minds around, this is what's going to happen next. And if it doesn't happen that way, God, I, I mean, it all of a sudden kind of just, uh, it just drops out because all of a sudden we're certain of what we think is going to happen. But if we live this life of going, God, we want to be your people. We want to live in a point of going, I, I know this life isn't certain. There's a lot of things that are going to mess up. There's a lot of things that are going to come my way that I'm, I, I don't know. But then we can take on what then we can take on what Paul and what James are saying here. Consider it joy when you face troubles because you know it's building something in you and you know who God is. So when there's a point in which there is a little bit of joy being sucked out of your life or there's trials that come your way, can you look at it and can you go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of who God is. Is, is what does that look like in our day-to-day -day lives when our emotions get the best of us? When we're that selfish little boy that says, I want what I want. Well, that's easy. We need to realize that we're sinful people and we can ask for forgiveness right away and go, God, would you change my perspective? And I have to admit, my perspective wasn't exactly changed because I got to be out on the boat yesterday. My perspective changed because my kids kept on asking me, hey, Dad, would you come and do this with me? Hey, Dad, can you hang out with me? And, and I realized that, no, God is calling me to be a father, not get what I want. But Jesus has something really interesting to say in John 15. And this is what he says to his disciples. He says this. And once again, like I love how joy is related back to love. I have loved you even as, a father, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
what better place to be than to go, God, we want to be loved by you. We want to accept your love. God, we want to know who you are. Because as we know who you are, Lord, we take on your joy. And so all of a sudden, the responsibilities don't really become about responsibilities so much more. It becomes about going, God, is this something you want me to be doing? God, is this something you want me to take on? God, were you guiding me and directing me as I go on with things? And we start to realize his last commandment in verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. So it doesn't become about possessions, and it doesn't become about current circumstances, but it becomes about relationship. And if we looked at last week, and we are reminded from last week, it is not only just a relationship with God, but it's relationship with others. first starts with loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? I'm just going to give you forewarning for next week. Guess where peace is rooted? <laughs> rooted in love, once again, of how much God loves you, of how much God wants to give you peace. How God, much God wants to give you direction. And so we're going to finish up with a song this morning called Restore. And as we sing it, I, I, I would like you just to think about where your joy comes from during the week. Does it come from trusting God? Does it come from shaking your fist at God and saying, my life doesn't match up to the way that I thought it would? Because to have true joy is to start with the idea that we, we want a relationship with God. We want to know God and we want to understand his character. It starts with that first. So let's sing this last song and then I'll come up in prayer. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.